Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, and this is podcast number 206. And in today's podcast, we're talking all about sex. And I am joined by doctors Sandy Hilton and Sarah Haig. And in this episode, we tackle everything from painful sex for women and men. We talk about sex in nursing homes. We talk about sex within the LGBTQ community. So we're covering a wide, wide range of topics. And I've listened to it a couple of times. I'm telling you, there is so much good information here. Sandy and Sarah are wealths of knowledge. It's, it's funny, it's smart, it's witty, it's everything you would want a sex talk to be. And as Sandy mentions during the podcast, we actually kind of came up with this idea while waiting in line for the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland. And I think the people standing next to us were certainly entertained and I hope left more educated than when they came into line. They probably were not thinking they were going to hear a very in-depth talk about sex, but they got it. So we decided to do a podcast uh, at Disneyland at our hotel. We were sitting outside drinking a bottle of wine and talking about sex by the fire. It's a great conversation. And because we were kind of drinking a lovely bottle of red that Miss Sarah Haig brought with her, uh, today's podcast is brought to you by this really great wine website called WineCloud. And that's WineCloud with a K, so W-I-N-E-K-L-O-U-D.com. And they, what it is, it's an aggregate site that allows users to see hundreds of daily wine deals nationwide. So if you're a big wine person and you really love a specific bottle or a specific vineyard, you can go onto WineCloud. Um, you can sign up for free, by the way, and put in some parameters, some search parameters, and they will bring you every day the best deals for whatever wine you're looking for, and then you just have to order it. So they've already published over 100,000 wine deals, so they don't sell the wine. They just show you where the best deals are and make you aware of all your options. So it's a lot like kayak with a Groupon twist, but for wine. And like I said, the site is free to use and the deals never stop. But if you wanted to go for the premium membership, and the premium membership, you get a little more search uh, variables, and you get some food pairings, and you get deals that the person who doesn't have the paid membership gets. So you might get um, more deals on specific bottles of wine. So normally, uh, the premium membership is $25 for the entire year, which, come on, I mean, you can go to Starbucks in one week and spend more than that. Um, but for healthy, wealthy, and smart listeners, they are offering 25% discount, so it comes to $18.75. So all you have to do is go to winecloud.com, and that's winecloud with a K, and enter in WK Health in the promo code, and you'll get 25% off. So a big thank you to WineCloud for sponsoring today's podcast. And without further ado, I will let you enjoy our very stimulating talk on sex. Hey everyone, it's Karen Litzy, host of the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, and we are post-combined sections meeting in Anaheim, California. If you can't tell by the sound of my voice, it's a little raspy and a little sexy, so it goes perfect with our talk today because we're talking all about sex. So I am 
sitting outside of the Disneyland Hotel with Doctors Sarah Haig and Sandy Hilton. And we sort of kind of had this idea about uh, giving a little more accurate information about sex. And then we put it to social media and got some really great questions. I have some questions of my own. Um, I mean, yeah, I have some questions of my own, so we will try and get to some of those as well. Um, so first, I will sort of have Sandy and Sarah do a little intro. So for those of you who don't know them, um, you can get to know them a little bit before we start. So Sandy, go ahead and give a quick intro about you, what you do, what you like, what you don't like, whatnot. Okay. Hi, I'm Sandy. Um, hmm, I'm a physical therapist. I work with um, really anyone that is needing help getting back to doing what they love, including getting back to having sex that is not only not painful, but is actually pleasurable. Um, I love that we came up with this idea while standing in line for a ride at Disneyland. Um, a children's and I ride. Think a children's <laughs> ride. And I think the lady behind us was intrigued. <laughs> but it, um, it's a really important topic that, that people need to be comfortable with to the point where they love it, not just tolerate it. Great. And Sarah, how about a little bit about you? Uh, I'm Sarah. I'm also a physical therapist. Um, and I, I share Sandy's, um, I don't know, I guess mission, can we say, to, to really make the discussion of sex, the things surrounding sex, a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more approachable for everyone. Sex is one of those basic instincts as humans. It's one of those things that is meant to be pleasurable. Um, and But ironically, it's one of those things that is shrouded in mystery and confusion and um, sometimes shame. And I, I guess maybe my little soapbox as of late is, has been the um, uh, kind of the, the making it okay to talk about it and, and having physical therapists understand that this is a functional issue and it's, a, it's a, something that we should be asking about more often and we shouldn't not be asking about it because we're shy. Right. right, and that goes beyond just people who are quote unquote pelvic health specialists. It's for every physical therapist. Is this, so you're saying this is something that every PT should be asking their patients or their prospective clients. Let's say if someone has low back pain or hip pain, I mean, that's an appropriate question to ask and we shouldn't be shy to do so. Right, I, th I think that, that that's a really important thing and, and I'll get on my, oh, I think, like plyometric box of soapbox nests because I jump on and off this often, but there is a lovely form that the rest of the world uses the, um, called the Original Oswestry Low Back Pain Functional Questionnaire that has a sex question on it. And in 2001, it was revised to take it off. Um, because the therapists were uncomfortable asking the question, I think it misses a beautiful opportunity to, to do a screening form. Um, and it's, it's valid without the question filled in, but it can put in the back of someone's head, even though they may, t may not tell you, but this little thought in the back of their head that can be like, wait, that's not supposed to hurt? Because some people have been told, uh, yeah, it's not fun, it's never fun, just do it. But way back, there's jokes about do it for the queen. You know, the women were often not expected to enjoy sex, um, which is, can I just tell you, sad because it's enjoyable. Sure. It, 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 well, it can be and it should be. And I feel like that it's, can I say, it's a basic human right to be able to have, if you desire to have sex, to have it not be an awful experience. Um, and, and physical therapy, we know it can't fix everything. But I think to 
at least start that conversation, let people know that there's some help, there's some things that they can do, and that, again, even if it's just a general or an orthopedic or a sports therapist, um, if these things come up, um, the pelvic floor, part of the musculoskeletal system, important part of our support system, um, that's a thing we're supposed to be asking about. Yeah, get in there, and you don't have to... Well, wait, you, you don't have to get in there. You can refer them <laughs> to someone else to get in there. Exactly. Um, if, be open to the, to the comments. Listen and pay attention to your patients because they may be giving you hints. Um, if you are not comfortable with it, please don't deny them care. Great, great point. Okay, so we got a lot of questions via social media on a lot of really different and interesting topics. So we're going to try and tackle as many of those as we can if we don't do it in this podcast before Disneyland kicks us out. But we're going to try and do as, as or, or we finish our bottle of wine, which could happen sooner. We'll slip, sip slowly. And it should be noted that I actually drank a full glass of alcohol tonight and didn't leave behind my half glass like I did... Um, during all of CSM. Um, hashtag typical Karen move. So I did not make that hashtag up. Okay, so there's a couple of things that we're going to talk about uh, during this podcast and maybe a subsequent one. Um, some great questions from uh, rising STDs among the elderly, uh, sex in nursing homes. We're going to tackle that a little bit. We're also going to talk about LGBTQI. Uh, why is that not being talked about more? We're going to talk about coming from the male point of view uh, when you're with a woman who maybe has pain with sex and how do you deal with that and how do you ask the right questions, how do you be sensitive. And then we'll talk about when you are a female and you do have pain with sex or even after sex and are there things you can do about that. If you feel like your pelvic floor is very tight, and if you're a woman, you know what it feels like, and it doesn't feel good. It feels like your pelvic floor is stuck to your diaphragm. So if you're not sure what it feels like, it's kind of what it feels like. So we'll talk about maybe uh, Sarah and Sandy can give some general uh, easy little exercises and things like that that maybe you can do on your own to see if it'll help. So let's start out with... Um, some really great questions. One was, uh, why do, and I'll pose this to both of you, you guys can jump in, why do most conversations around sex seem to be more heteronormative? So is there a discussion to be had for the LGBTQI population? And if there is a discussion to be had, how does one initiate that? Sure. Um, interviewing. So when a when a person comes in to the clinic and there is a, uh, I'll plug CSM 2017 since we're getting on there. Yeah. Rena and UC, listen to this and fill out your proposal. Um, we should have an amazing uh, proposal coming up for 2017 to talk really about this of all of the expressions, not only from an individual's personal preference life. Uh, uh, defining how they, how they define themselves, how they see themselves, and how they express themselves sexually. Uh, not only that from the individual's perspective, but also as providers, because we are human too, and we come with all of that. So then there's that lovely mesh uh, between the therapist and the provider. Um, so we're going to talk about that at 2017. Um, but for what I do in the clinic is I, I have learned from getting it wrong a lot to just say, tell me about uh, how intimacy is working for you 
and if you have any problems. And I try really hard not to make any assumptions about who their partner might be, how many partners they might have, if they even have a partner. Um, because you can be fairly intimate with yourself and have that be what you consider healthy and pleasurable, or you could have multiple partners of uh, lots of different definitions. So, so it sounds to me like you're saying, even in your initial evaluation, um, to perhaps choose your words wisely and not make the assumption, I'm not saying, so, what's it like when you have sex if you're interviewing a woman? If you're saying, what's it like having sex with your husband or with your right. partner? Yeah. You know, kind of taking, making more gender neutral questions and allowing the patient to have that safe space to share with you what they feel like they can share. Right. I try not to put, um, put, put definitions for them. I want to hear what theirs is. Um, but I've, I learned that from making some really stellar mistakes. Well, that's how everybody learns. Sarah, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are just in, in general, um, just in society at large, it tends to be kind of more of a heteronormative situation. Um, happily, that is changing slowly, and, um, and, and there's, there's more discussion, more, hopefully more acceptance, I'd like to think more acceptance, of the choices we get to make with our own bodies and who we decide to share those bodies with. So I, I think it, most of the conversations have been more hetero-driven because it's been easier for those people to talk about it. Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and similar to Sandy, I feel like it, it's interesting that we, we try to be like, ooh, how can we be more sensitive about sex? I try to be sensitive about everything mm. around. Right. Well, when, you, when you're interviewing a person, I mean, I don't make assumptions about how they're living, who they're living with, um, what their desires are, because here's the thing, is there's people who don't want to have sex. God bless them. You know, it's it's really more about um, what can I do to help you live a, a happier, more fulfilled, less painful existence on this earth. So yeah, I try to frame my questions. I've learned a lot from Sandy, um, but also just I've learned that asking you don't have to know it all, and you actually don't even have to be comfortable with it all. You just have to be respectful and kind. Right. And people are who don't who you don't understand their decisions or their choices or their culture just asking them and going, you know, I, I do not understand what this means to you. Can you please help me understand better? And I've learned, and because I've, I've gotten to live across the country, there's a lot of different cultural shifts just in our own country. Um, when I lived in, outside of Ann Arbor, I worked with a lot of people that uh, had particular faiths and beliefs around um, religion and therefore procreation um, that really contradicted with each other, and it was really fun um, to just not make any assumptions at all because you were going to be wrong um, and from ultra conservative to ultra not mm -hmm. um, and in Chicago I'm, I'm coming across all different cultural things and some relig religious observations that I don't know anything about and one thing I will do is just say can you can you talk me talk to me about what you do walk me through the the protocol with this because I'm not familiar with it and I think that it's way better to just say yeah I don't know and right, right. So guess. like Aaron said at the CSM patient panel, if you're not sure, don't make shit up. Right. <laughs> right? Amen. Don't make assumptions about what someone else's yeah. life is like just because of how yours is. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yes, yes. So so that's some great tips for for therapists sort of 
Number one, it's okay to ask these questions around sex. It's okay to do that. Number two, it's it makes sense to not make those assumptions, to ask questions that is that are going to make your patient feel safe and feel able to share that vulnerability with them. Because as we've said before, a lot of people don't ask about sex. And if you don't ask, well, if you don't ask, you'll, you'll never know. But if you as a therapist come across as a little tentative or a little uncomfortable, the patient's going to pick up on that and might they not share their truth with you. And there is nothing. I mean, someone is um, anything. So LGBTQI. <laughs> um, you're going to get it wrong if you make an assumption, the, the likelihood of getting it right. And there is nothing more affronting than asking a, um, a lady who is pref preferring a female partner how her husband is. Right. Um, right. I mean, that's just going to make them think you're... <coughs> I know a lot of single ladies who don't want you to ask about... <laughs> Right? <laughs> about that. Yeah, it, it really, and, and really does that matter? Not at so, all. So that's the thing, is if they say, my husband says this, okay, there's your in. But but yeah, to to be respectful until you yeah. know, and that's just, that's good socialization. Right. right. Right, and it doesn't matter. And so so it matters very much to that individual. Will it change the course of my care? No, unless it just changes a couple words I use or what sort of mm -hmm. exercises mm -hmm. I give them to do. Yeah, and that kind of leads right into the next question, which we sort of talked about before this. But someone asked a question, um, how about resuming lesbian sex after a lumbar sacral, uh, a lumbar <laughs> spine fusion? Hold on, Miss Haig. <laughs> didn't even have finished answering the question yet. So... So let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about resuming after a lumbo a lumbar spine surgery. Let's say a fusion, a surgery, or what have you. Can I throw this out? I I would like to start with that because that is really um, where you would start for anyone, regardless of their orientation. Um, and I say it like that because there are, depending on the surgeon, depending on where you are in the country, there's going to be um, post-op restrictions. And, and of course, you're going to be abiding by those post-op restrictions. Um, if anybody comes into your clinic and is like, can I resume sexual activity? The first question is, if they're not medically cleared yet, ask your doctor. If, once they've been medically cleared, if they have any other physical restrictions, um, you can start to build a sexual situation um, around or respecting those, those current restrictions letting them know when those restrictions no longer hold bar and let them know that if they have pain going back to the things they enjoy doing in the bedroom, that uh, to come back and see you. But really, um, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting question. So like lesbian sex, I can imagine a lot of things of what that would look like. Some of it's not so different than hetero. Some of it might be, but really you need to break it down into lumbar extension, lumbar flexion, hip flexion, hip extension, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, which is kind of the fun bit. That's what we do is physical, functional stuff. Yeah, and it um, it ultimately comes back down to physics. You know, what are, what are your favorite positions? What do you want to do? Oh, yeah, biomechanics. And biomechanics. But you know, force, trajectory, 
such things. Um, so now, how do you respectfully bring that up with a patient? So if they say, oh, I want to get back to, I've, I've had this uh, a lumbar surgery and I want to get back to having sex with my partner, um, how do you respectfully say to them, well, what, what kind you know, of sex would, are we talking about I, here? I would start with what's your favorite position. Okay. Um, and how do you feel in that not not participating in the activity, just being in that position? How's that feel for you? And then we'd grade it from there. Um, I'm not, it's not that I don't care who their partner is. It's that I don't think that that that, that would be a barrier for returning to fun and function. No, it's, it's not. And re really, it's the restrictions that would be placed on them post-operatively. Right. Um, and then any limitations, I would say, by pain, I would address... If anything's hurting, when they try to re resume what they were doing before, we can address that, teach them about graded exposure. But there are some people, honestly, where they just go back to doing what they love, and they're fine. So reducing the fear, educating, and, and giving that program yeah, to get them back to just doing it. Sometimes it's just the reassurance of this isn't going to undo your fusion. Right, right. So taking out that I'm going to hurt myself if I do X, Y, and Z, which is very powerful. Well, you'd have it to is. know. I mean, honestly, I, I do resort to humor a lot. So if someone was in that situation and said that, that they wanted to know if they could return to sex, I would be wondering what sort of, like, trapezes or something they were using where they thought that the, the forces would be so high that it would be challenging. Well, that's a legit question. And actually, I mean, I have in the clinic gotten out a couple of bolsters and been like, can you walk me through what you're worried about? That's smart. And, and try yeah. to address yeah. it step by step. Because it is. it does get more complicated when you have another party involved um, and when that other party might not... Um, might like, might not be as sensitive or as, as uh, you know, they'll have the best of intentions. Attentive. But not, yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, to walk it through without that added um, pressure. variable. Yeah. And pressure. And, and then to go pressure. from there. Literally and figuratively speaking, pressure. And, and, and right? I mean, of course, you throw in all the other emotional things. So sometimes I'll have partners come in to go, like, I, I know that you're very concerned about hurting your partner, but we're going to talk you through this. Well, it, it is very, it's very musculoskeletal and load and, and all of that. And, and some things that happen culturally or just in that individual's life is that, you know, it's like, I got, I got 10 minutes to do this, so the kids are going to be knocking at the door. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's, it's, um, not to be too crude, hard and fast. And that can be more of an issue. And it's not mm -hmm. so much the position as the speed and the force. Got it. And got it. that's why I say it comes down to physics. I mean, sure. We have all of that same thing we would talk about, whether we were talking about throwing or running or jumping or whatever. It's it's load and, and force. Um, sometimes they just need to know, you know, no, you're going to need to change your habits. And maybe the morning was great, but now you don't have time and you need to go right. slower and try this at night for a while. So so let's talk a little bit more about this physics, this load, this time under tension, this um, conversation. Because I think people can definitely picture that if we're talking about a tendinopathy, we're talking about um, an ACL reconstruction. These are very tangible things. We can see those. We kind of have a good idea of what it means to be spending time under tension. We have a good idea of how to hopefully, progress that time under tension and add in the variables of speed and plyometrics and, and endurance. But all, when it comes to sexual positions with painful sex, with um, pelvic pain, they, they kind of get, those concepts seem to get a little muddled and a little lost. And 
I don't know if it's because you can't see it. So if you can't see it, it's a little bit harder. Like you said, it's ESM. It's like pelvic pelvic uh, rehabilitation is the same thing as physical therapy. It's just doing it in a cave, and maybe you can't see it, but it's certainly there, and those muscles are there. So how, I mean, without, of course you can translate those over, but how do you translate that over? What, what do you, if you have a woman coming in and, and she's saying, for, for instance, that if she has sex afterwards, she doesn't feel so, so hot, she doesn't feel so chipper, you know? She's, she's got, she can feel her pelvic floor is a little tight. Maybe it feels like she has a UTI, but she doesn't. Um, so how do you address that and how, how can we get women to understand that maybe they don't need to go to see their doctor to go on antibiotics? Right away. That's, so that's like, a lot, right away. We're, we're essentially so, talking about delayed onset of muscle soreness. Yeah, let's say, let's say we're talking <laughs> DOMS of the pelvic floor. Right. So how, can, how do you, it's true, it happens. Well, so it is, and so, so what do you do with that? Well, can I just throw out there that, that, that the doms of the pelvic floor um, are going to freak out some ladies and not so much for others. There's going to be others who are like, hell yeah, like you might feel like that after a 10-mile run when you're training for a marathon. When you get sore, see, running, training for a marathon is a lot of work from what I hear. I, I don't do that. It is, it is a lot of work. I ran Chicago. It's yeah. a lot of work. Yeah. So Well, I didn't really train, but... but right? But but when you do that, you're like, okay, this, all of this pain, all of this achiness, all of this weirdness makes perfect sense. I just ran way farther than most humans should. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So that makes mm -hmm. good sense. And so that soreness, that achiness doesn't freak us out because you just tried to do something crazy with your body. Sure. When you take your pelvic floor from doing kind of not much of anything to doing something really pretty fantastic and you... The next day, you're like, ah, oh, man, it's a little bit, your brain doesn't reconcile it like it would. I just ran 26 point whatever miles. It's like, what's wrong? And mm -hmm. unfortunately, some of those feelings that we end up getting resemble a UTI, resemble something bad going on down there. And like you said, we can't take a look, right? right check right. it out. So it starts to... Or if you do, Freak then it, it's sore to touch, just like it yeah. would be if your hamstrings were sore to touch and someone came up and poked them. Or if you'd just gone up in weights doing bench press and you have a friend right. that likes to poke you in your hamstrings. sore muscles. Yeah. I had mean friends back I'd when I used to I'd not be their friends. Lift. Yeah. Um, the, it, it's, it requires movement and slow sustained pressure perhaps into the system to get it to relax a little bit. No foam rolling required. Um, yeah, I don't know how uh, one would, that would, would be some it? tricky foam rolling. Um, we, we have a trademark training seminar coming up on that. <laughs> That's right. Foam rolling to the pelvic floor. Oh, dear. Listen, somebody's um, probably doing it. Uh, and you shouldn't pay them for Please that. Please don't. <laughs> um, don't do that. Just say no. Um, but so one of, the, one of the things you could do. So for instance, the um, I have some... Wow, personal experience with that one, having been married to an army guy for years and uh, faithful to that army guy. So they'd be gone for six months. You'd have oh, like tons yeah. of crazy sex for six months, then they'd be gone and then they'd come back. And that, not always pleasant that first couple days back. I mean, no, lots not. of fun, but not pleasant. You get back into the routine. Um, but that was, it made sense, right? I haven't been using this and now I'm using it. It makes sense that it's sore. So I think what Sarah said about it has to make sense. Um, is is really important um, but beyond that if someone's like whoa what's going on the, the muscles the, the tissues in that area need some load and some stretch 
Um, so, you know, doing a, a nice deep squat, says CrossFit ass to the grass, um, squat and letting your pelvic floor relax and taking some good breaths while you're there. Periodically. Like diaphragmatic breaths or just regular breaths? Just a just, relaxing breath. Just a relaxing, relaxing. breath. Just let breathe. your belly go. Just uh -huh. breathe, yeah. And let the pelvic floor relax while you're in that squat. And then do that a couple times during the day. And then have sex again. Because <laughs> that's, that's, that's because practice makes perfect. And and doing that sort of deep squat with the breathing, what is the aim of that? What are they? What what is the point? Uh, changing the tensions in the muscle because of the way that the pelvic floor muscles work, they and they end up feeling very much like they're up around your diaphragm. Um, they pull up and in when they're under threat, and and soreness and all of those things. They'll 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 kind of clench a little. Um, so when you get in that squat position, you get the largest opening in the pelvic. Floor, Got it. Uh, the musculature is under as much, and, and then some good breaths while you're in there with purposeful relaxation lets it go into its normal uh, pattern of relaxing. Got it. Got it. And if if you do feel that, I mean, should your first move be to? I mean, I think most people would say, mm, kind of feels like UTI. I'm going to call my doctor and I'm going to get. An antibiotic, or I'm going to get medicine, or whatever. Well, UTI should hurt when you pee, maybe. Right. So, so let's differentiate for a moment. Let's say, let's say after sex that you're having some discomfort or some pain, but you're not really having pain when you pee, but yet when you do, it's very sparse. Like you don't have like a good strong stream. This is for women. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe if it works I think for men, probably I men get a little quirky after lots of sex. Yeah. I think. Um, at least the pelvic floors do. I would say I would say that that's not super weird. I would say if you're really concerned about a UTI, instead of sitting and stewing about it, is to go get tested. Not go get your antibiotics. Go get tested. Clean mm -hmm. catch. Um, clean catch. See see what's going on. Um, because here's the thing: is like a really really um, twitchy pelvic floor that's crawling up towards your diaphragm because it's freaked out by all the fabulousness that's going on. Uh -huh. um, what can happen is that feels like. Uh, pelvic floor that won't relax so you can pee really well. Right. right. And if the doors um, are closed because the muscles are it's not clenched, come out. The, the, yeah, it's squished. It's like yeah. a, a straw that's got pressure on it. Got it, it. it. Stuff can't come out very well. Got it. So, so yeah, so if you, if you drink up, if you drink some water, you do some breathing, you do some nice ass-to-the-grass squats, and you feel better, odds are it's not a UTI. Got it. But again, I've had some patients who, who that They've been told that's going to happen. They're really worried that's going to happen. Telling them to relax their pelvic floor, yeah, right. not worry about it, isn't going to be the answer that's going to make that pelvic floor to relax. So, sure. go, but, but I will say, go get tested for UTI. But Don't still just do take those antibiotics. Still drink water, still do the squats, yes. still do the relaxation. Right. So you can, you can do a little bit of both, and that's okay. Yeah, definitely. They're not mutually and, exclusive at all. And honestly, uh, Ass to the grass squat and deep breathing has never cured a, U cured a UTI ever. Right. Ever. So what if do you, you mean? if you feel totally fine after doing that, give yeah. yourself a little more time. Keep working on it, and if you're fine, you're fine. Have faith in your body. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So now let's talk about. I mean, I know we're kind of female centric on that question, but uh, let's talk about if you have a partner, I'm not going to say a guy or a girl, but let's say you're a guy or... partners, I suppose, if we want to be very... I mean, we can get king... Sure. Whatevs. Whatevs. So <laughs> let's say 
you're a person, whether it be a guy or a gal, how do you interface with your partner, whether that be a guy or a gal? Maybe we can take both. Let's say we'll start with a woman first. So if you're a guy, how do you interface with a woman who has painful sex and make her feel wanted but respect her pain and limitations? Go ahead. You look like you're all got it. I'm chomping I'm, at the bit. I'm kind of ready. She's raising her hand um, again. Because again, it's funny, and may, and maybe I'm oversimplifying the interactions between people when they like each other. But if two people like each other, um, there there's going to be some discussion anyway. Not everybody likes the same things. So so to have that conversation, to to be moving at a pace where you know you're getting confirmation for the next step, um, asking things. Um, deciding the next step before it happens, asking if that next step is okay. And if that person says, if you can feel them tense up, if you can feel them hesitate, that's a good question to ask why, no matter what. Right. And then and then to just ask, because I'll tell you what, some people um, without pain would like to not do what you had on your mind and would like you to do something a little bit different. That's a really important um, ebb and flow of an intimate relationship or intimate situation. So um, to just take it slow and to be respectful. And well, what and kind of questions that? specifically could you ask, or how do you? How about what do so, you feel like, and what would you like? <laughs> and then be quiet and wait for the answer. That's easy. Amen. Yeah. And, and again, pain or no pain, that's the way to get it done. Right, boys. Listen. And, and girls. And, and girls. And gals. Boys and gals. Um, so, so let's say you're a gal and you have a guy who your guy has yeah. some pain when he's having sex because that can happen as well, right? And so, so that's an interesting sort of interesting flip there because as the woman, you know, how do you bring that up to a man who maybe ties some of his self worth so, to his sexuality? I'm not saying all men no, do, I think, but, but I think we all kind of inherently do. Yeah, I think that that's that's deep down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inherent. Um, I, I work with a, uh, a few guys that, that that's the problem that they're having and um, it not having those parts but listening to their and, and what they say it is you a, don't have their parts I don't have their parts I don't have they, have, parts. they, they do have their parts they have their parts okay. um, the thank you the but this one guy that I worked with for a while ago in particular was um, so nervous so anxious because mm -hmm. it hurt and he didn't want his partner well one he wanted to be able to complete the act and enjoy it but he also wanted his partner to enjoy it um, and he didn't want to feel like it was some sort of medical homework or something like that so you need that confidence and the spontaneity um, what worked well for him was taking that ginormous leap of saying look these are the and it was positional these are the positions that that I he just said he enjoyed him the most he decided not to say the other ones hurt mm -hmm. and and are you cool with this and and his partner was very cool with that so that's what they did and the, the more repetition he got the more confident he got um, and then he developed some confidence to try other things that he sure. used to think weren't you know and it was just we do that but I think that the really important thing is to start with what feels best and and let's say you have some you're having pain you're and and you've gotten to the point where oh boy it's been painful I'm kind of fearful I don't want to have sex because I'm fearful mm -hmm. and your partner gets very frustrated 
they maybe don't know how to handle those situations, they don't know how to bring those up. God did make sexual counselors for such mm. a thing. And there, there is a whole field of professionals that I, so I always figure that I can take people so far mm -hmm. as a physical therapist with a lot of stuff. There's a lot I can do. But then there's this edge, and I know where mine is, of I need someone else to help you sure. with this part. And there are sexual counselors, sexual therapists that are yeah. fantastic at that. So at that point as the PT, because you know we are not psychologists or psychiatrists um, or counselors, so at that point it seems to me like that's a good time to say, you know, I don't think, like, this is maybe a little beyond me, but I have a great person for you to speak to well, who I might be able it. to I, help I, you. Yeah, and I try to really put it in a way where it's like, this is so cool that now you're doing so well that you can go work with this person like a like a coach. I mean, it'd be like if I was working with a runner that wanted to get back to do marathon yeah. training and I got them to where they could run. I am not a running coach. I'm not the one you want me training you right. for a marathon. So they make people like that. Let mm -hmm. me refer you to a couple of them. I would use that same sort of story for someone right. that was interested. And like they felt good enough and things were good. I'd say, excellent, this is amazing news. I've got these names of people you can talk to who will take you the rest of the way. And we'll still keep working, but they can work with you too and do this part. It'll be great. Right. So I'd, I'd, I'd sell it like that. And yeah. I do, and, and that's totally honest because yeah. that's not my skill set. Yeah, uh, sure. Sarah? Absolutely. Well, and sometimes uh, sometimes the people who come to see us for help have trouble seeing that differentiation. They think if they can just fix themselves or fix the bits that aren't yeah. agreeing, um, that everything will be fine. Uh, I wish it were that simple. Um, so that is the time where a lot of times when, pe when you suggest, suggest counseling, people who aren't ready for counseling shut down. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where you where I will comment about how, you know, what the progression is on the physical side. Um, I will say like, do you think your partner would like to come in and help you? Because doing this once a week with me, twice a week, even daily with me, it's really not gonna change everything. Mm -hmm. um, you're gonna have to do some work on your own. So, um, and so it has been helpful sometimes for, for partners to see what their, what their partner is working on to improve that level of intimacy. Um, and and sometimes that's enough for them to start the conversation on their own. Mm -hmm. It's not my job to make the appointment for them. Of right. course. But of course. then, um, but then to also be really honest when physically we we've you, you're good. Physically right. you're good. It's the rest that needs work. And so let's talk. Let's on. back it up a little bit. So physically they're good. How do you get them to the point where physically they're good? So let's say you're working with a woman who's having pelvic pain when she has sex what sort of graded exposure techniques do you use and how do you how do you implement that with your patients I know it, it, every it, keeping in mind of course that everyone is an individual Everyone's but are there guiding principles that the people listening to this can be like okay that makes a lot of sense that's a guiding principle I'm cool I'm good what, what are your thoughts my, my thoughts are is is one so especially so if we're if we're talking purely pain and not just a m mechanics fitting things in situation <laughs> in a female and that does matter uh, and that yeah. does matter um, I would say that um, is really is really intercourse or attempted intercourse the only time they're having pain because if the answer is no they're having a lot of pain other times I am still going to be working on that 
Uh huh. Because again, once you add someone else into the picture who, who, that person in pain doesn't have control over, that also adds in the layers of emotion, relationship issues, all of that complexity. Yeah. I will continue to work on the bits that, the 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 activities or whatever that are making life more challenging, and see if we can get that down before we we say. Eh, there's nothing else I can do for you as far as sex goes. Mm-hmm. And then as far as graded exposure goes, this is where I think it gets really fun, is you try to figure out what those limitations are. Is it touching something? Is it putting something... Again, we're speaking of females here. Yeah, females. Um, I would also say males in some regards. As far as like anything in being inserted, mm-hmm. um, you start small, you work your and way what do up. And what do you use for that? Oh my goodness! Uh, there's a variety. <laughs> not potatoes. No. That was that was a talk at CSM. Please, yes. not Wait, potatoes. No what? potatoes. What? Oh my heavens! Uh, actually, no food. No food. Don't food. put any food up the vajayjay. No food in the vagina. No, food, no, no tea, tea. No pot. No pot. Tea. Um, oh yeah, that's crazy. Don't do that. But yeah, so so really, no food in the vagina. I would say fingers are. <laughs> oh, here we go. Fingers are good. Penises are, are good, um, but there, there's a wide variety of um, graduated, um, basically that we call them dilators, which actually maybe we should, could find a better name for that. Carolyn Van Dyken um, up in Canada um, calls them accommodators. Accommodators, I love that. Um, but another thing that we're really lucky. Can I give another shout out yeah. to back to um, early to bed? Early to bed um, in, in Chicago, Chicago mm. they do have a website online. Free shout out. Um, is that they have a wide variety of actual real life sex toys that that really what you can do is instead of going to the medical department of of wherever to for find what you need for three times the cost for three times the cost you can actually go to your local friendly sex store and find something that doesn't freak you out mm-hmm. and that's something that makes you happy so do you need a really fun color do you need something that um, that it's looks more realistic soft, do you need realistic. something soft a little bit different um, you get to pick what makes you it's like not freaked out. like picking out shoes that make you happy, but Oh, it's so better. awesome. Yeah, there's... And, and really, if you go to a good one that's female-friendly, I will tell you what, um, it, they're so helpful. They will teach you how to take care of it. They will help you find the right one for you. So I, and I tend to, to offer... Well, I have a couple different vibrators at the clinic as, as examples. Um, uh, I need more variety, but... Um, the I like I like the vibrators better than the medical dilators because they don't look medical. Mm, yeah, which um, can be a little scary and a little right? off-putting, and maybe even make you think, mm, I don't want to use something's it, or it wrong has with me. something's wrong with me as a negative connotation versus yeah. other, going into it from a point of of it being pleasurable mm-hmm. right. and play. versus scary. Right? Yeah. yeah, and you don't have to turn the vibrator on. Because some of those things will like take wallpaper off the wall. They're That's so true. fast. That's um, true. I had, so, one, I, I had one patient who's like, I did no batteries in there. Level seven. <laughs> uh-huh. It's like, uh-huh. oh my god. But the but just off. Um, they they also have a little bend at the, the top, which is awesome because if you have a small round space and you're trying to get the left wall of something, you're smooshing the right wall on mm-hmm. the other side, and that mm-hmm. can be uncomfortable, and you can't tell what's up. Sure, so, sure. So I like those um, to offer to my patients as options for self-treatment. Uh, but mostly it has to be something they want. So you, it is important not to tell them what they want, but to have yeah. a variety of things and let them and pick. And have them pick and, and choose. And say, okay. Um, 
Because I, I think some of the dilator sets look absolutely off-putting and other people think, oh, cool, I can use that. All right. Yeah, everyone has a preference. And so it kind of come down, comes down to the same principles as you would use for any other type of rehabilitation Amen. sports. Yep. So that it's, you're, you're putting something under tension or under load by inserting whatever, whatever. you're inserting of whatever that's size. Not that's, that's not food. Not food. Um, or pot or tea. Right. And that you are... Or steam. You are also not just going to your pelvic PT one to two times a week and saying, like, day. see ya. But that, just like any other home exercise program, we tell our patients this all this time. Like, I may only see you twice a week for an hour, and you're with yourself all, day, all, day. all 24-7. So let's give you something that you can do. How Sarah's lucky. She's with herself 24-7. Some of us are not as lucky as Sarah. Um, so that's confidence, people. Um, so, so it sounds like when you're, so you're giving a home exercise program that is very, like any other, functional and practical. And fun. And, and fun. fun. And, and, also, and, and also, let's not forget, it works on an ADL. Now, here's my question. Is for people who are like, how do I build that? How do I do that? I mean, it's an ADL, neuromuscular re-eds, Therex. Maybe therapy, depending on what you're doing. Therex, can you build that as Therex? Um, I usually go neuromuscular re-education. You have to think about what you're trying to accomplish. Got it. So are we trying to exercise it in the traditional sense? Not really. We're trying to retrain it, improve the coordination, improve the tissue tolerance. So for both boys and girls, in the in the everything in between. Yes, for for humans. There we go. The like in the act of I- intimacy with themselves or another person. Wow, that's hard to really get that all right in there, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. that for was good. humans, the act of interest, intimacy with themselves or another person, there is not just a requirement for space filling capacity um, or pressure, but also movement and pressure with that movement. So there's mm. a shearing force that's required for both of the course. boys. Of course. So it's not just and the girls kind of sticking something in and how big can you get it. There's it's movement. movement and shear forces and things Through like that, that in play. Right? Yeah. Um, which is why lubrication is important. Uh, changes uh-huh. with uh, age and hormones are important. Posi- position changes. Yeah. yeah. Can change the fluffiness. It can Wait, let's talk about fluffiness. Well, what do you what do you mean by that? That's because not a I think term for bad is, that a me- is that a medical term? <laughs> so yes, I think people may not under- may not understand what what you're talking about there. Um, <laughs> Did I say that? Oh, <laughs> there is porn hashtag porn talk. Sure Fluffiness. So like estrogen in Estrogen's women awesome. is a um, hashtag estrogen. Estrogen is awesome. It is it has pro-inflammatory components. Don't ask me any more than that. Okay. I'd have to pull the papers up, and they're not out here. Um, the, but um, it also helps to seriously make the tissues fluffy. The, it, it enhances the space. Um, you get, as you, as you age, skin gets thinner. Um, and you becomes lose, friable. And becomes friable. You lose the, the thickness word. of the fat pads that are there okay. to keep stuff off the, from rubbing off a bone. Sure, um, sure. And changes the, in lubrication, changes in right? cervical position. All of, all of those things can make things that used to feel okay because there was padding, now don't have padding and they don't I feel see. okay. I see. Okay. So, so the, that's the fluffiness. The fluffiness is of the tissue itself and its ability to tolerate shear force and okay. and be padding over top of those bones. Okay. Um, that changes with age or hormone level. So 
around pregnancy, around puberty, around all of those changes yeah. in the life, um, it changes. Yeah. Lubrication can be a good thing, um, but sometimes not it's, enough. it's not enough. Um, sometimes you need to have a position change because your body has changed. And also I will say that's sometimes why women, and they've been a couple TV commercials, but um, that's also why there are some more topical estrogen treatments available. That's why um, uh, there's one non-estrogen treatment out there that I'm, I cannot think of. But yeah, so that's, the, and that's a, something. So there, there are certain health risks for certain women regarding estrogen. And that's, again, another really important reason to do, discuss this with the patient and make sure they're discussing it with their doctor. Seriously, pelvic health yeah. is such a team thing. Team sport. Team it's sport. a team sport. Amen. Yep. Um, so yeah, because if estrogen would be helpful and they don't have any risk factors, that's great. If if you want to try estrogen in order to make sex more, sex more comfortable for the patient or for your client, um, it's not worth some of the health risks for some of the people. Right, and you need to know what that is, so don't make this. assumptions. And let's talk about having sex. Again, we're going to talk about the ladies for a moment, but at different times within your menstrual cycle. Okay. So can sex be different? Yes. Is there something you have to take in consideration? Are positions better? Are there... Well, that goes back to the fluffiness and, and the estrogen. And, and again, let's talk about specific, specifically... Position. Yeah, because the cervix drops. Yeah, so let's talk specifically about those times within the cycle and what happens within those times, if we can. I. Well, you finished giggling. I, I'll take the first little bit. Where, where most women, especially if they aren't on some kind of oral contraceptive that is changing the normal hormonal levels in their body, um, will notice a change in the, um, the lubrication of their vagina, of the cervical mucus, of all of those things. Um, so there are, there are times of the month where everything is, is, is ready to go. There's other times where it's like, hmm. Well, what are those times? When you're ovulating. When you're ovulating? So what Clever. is it? When is that? Clever, isn't it? Uh, for me? Well, I mean, <laughs> is there... On the 13th day. Not for you what? specifically, but within, within the timeline of the oh, cycle. So earth. let's say day one you have your period, you get yeah. to whatever day, five uh, to seven. Roughly halfway through. Okay, roughly halfway, halfway through. through. And, okay. and here's the thing is, is honestly, it... So I quick side note, personal side note. So I was on oral contraceptives for a good part of, of college and a good, really quite a lot after college. And and not until I was off of those for a bit, do you know, like you you know the change. Um, there's some things like dehydrated. Stuff isn't stuff isn't as slippery as you think it would be. But, but honestly, like when it's around the ovulation time, your body knows that it's ready to make babies. Everything gets slipperier. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing, actually. It's really cool. So we try, as humans, we, we pretend we're somehow not an animal species on the planet, um, but we really are made to, to, to do that and to mm -hmm. enjoy doing that. It's supposed mm -hmm. to be yeah. pleasurable. Mm -hmm. And there, the periods around when you are <laughs> that was funny. most fertile are when you are also most interested and most it's able. most comfortable. Yeah. Um, but that goes back to the fluffiness of the tissues. Um, and it doesn't, it's not supposed to hurt ever. Not just so, the fluffiness. Well, I know, and the okay. lubrication and all of this. All of, all of it. It is so complex. The, if you want to, to, to really lose yourself in the literature, try and understand every single variation of a female hormonal cycle around 
the period of, well, it's crazy complicated. And there are so many things that can make it more or less or whatever. Mm-hmm. Stress doesn't help. Stress doesn't help. I'm not sure if you guys have noticed that. Yeah, of course not. Right? Of course not. Everything tightens up, and that decreases the lubrication, and mm-hmm. that decreases the vagal oh, nerve. So the sympathetic system doesn't help, and you're you also cannot, the desire. Also the desire. Your brain turns it off. You need your parasympathetic nervous well, system to be very excited. Well, if your sympathetic nervous system excited. is revved up, then I tell oh, you what, yes. the one thing your body is not worried about is having sex. Right? Sensible, Amen. isn't it? Very so sensible. Prioritize. You want yes. you want to not feel threatened. You mm-hmm. want to feel relaxed and interested. Um, and then things will be better. <laughs> not worried about a tiger coming to get you. Not yeah, a lion a has not just walked in the room and right? then. Ah, but so what in, do you in do? real life, because most of us don't live with tigers. Cats, <laughs> yes, but they're fairly nice. <laughs> they're usually innocuous they're, creatures. Sometimes I had one that was not. Yeah. He thought that was like he should come see what was going on. Um, the, but but if you have other things in your life. I mean, there's people who live with other family members. There's people who are, you know, in college and they're trying to do that without waking up their roommates. And and um, that can make everything less comfortable. The context and the environment that you're in is either a plus or a minus. I'll right. throw it in there. And I've been thinking a lot about that since we were, um, it was brought up via Twitter about nursing homes. Yeah, so let's... Uh, as let's, far as context. Yeah, so right. let's talk about that. Let's, so my favorite, yeah. I ask every patient that I have, are you still sexually active? Um, the oldest person that has said yes was 94, and she said yes, but it's getting harder to find partners. And I love that. Um, but so I think sex in a nursing home just makes me laugh. It makes my heart happy to think about it. It makes my heart happy, and it also makes... It, it's a really nice reminder, because I also had a, a really lovely lady come to me and um, had some prolapse issues, but just... Um, I was told not screwing is not an option. And I was just like, word, sister. Like, I, I hope I hope that is me, and I don't even know how many. I hope it's me next week. Um, <laughs> like, really, like, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Like, I, I want it. I, I want every woman to have that option um, and not feel like she needs to stop because no one's giving her the assistance she needs to make it happen. Got it, got it. So let's, there were some very interesting questions about nursing home sex and, and sex. Well, yeah, masturbation, like a, actually. That was a great yeah. article. Can I say thanks, Jason? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jason, for that great article. That was amazing. So, I'm going to use that in a talk shortly. Nice. So let's, let's talk I about that, use it though. this week. So let's talk about the, polis, the policies on sex in nursing homes. So let's say you have a loved one in a nursing home and and they're having some fun with with a partner there. So how does one respond? I know there's a lot of different policies. We sort of talked about this a little bit, but how it, it, how does one navigate that nursing home system? And, and are there things like, whoa, this is a red flag, this should not be happening? I, I think huge red flags is anyone who, who doesn't give consent or is unable to give consent. So if you're talking should, to someone with Alzheimer's or dementia, dementia of dementia. any kind, or, or who has just said no, um, I, that, should, that should really never be a question, and that, that's rape and against the law. But I think it's a, that article is really interesting and brought up a lot of great questions as far as the policies... Um, I think it said 12% of the respondents required familial consent 
for the nursing home resident to have sex. And I would just like you... Regardless of their mental state? Regardless of mental state. And I would like you all to think about that, having your children sign a consent form so you can have sex or masturbate if you feel like it. And Masturbation was another question. And that's something my kid... I don't have children, but that would be in the will, is that like if they deny me the right... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for those of you whose children are not of the age where they start doing that, which, by the way, about now is eight, um, is um, just be kind to them in high school because they're going to remember when you're in the nursing home. (laughs) So funny. And pray pray to God that you have children who can ask you those questions. And that can and and so let's do this. Let's talk about. So we talked about how a partner can talk to to how someone can talk to their partner if they're having painful sex. Let's talk about how a family member can speak to someone in a nursing home, whether that be well, so I can it could see. be a brother or a sister. I mean, you're talking like a parent. Like I can honestly at this point, like I can't even imagine asking my parents that question. And here's I where can't do it. Here's uh, where I would defer to my older sister. Here's where religion comes into it. So I'm going to respectfully disagree, but you go on. No, no, not as a positive. So we may actually end up agreeing. By the time I wrap this around, um, in, in that there are cultures in this country and other countries, but it, we'll, we'll stick to the states, um, where you take a vow when you get married that you're going to be remain faithful until death do us part. Right. So I, I mentioned I worked in a place that was ultra-conservative. I can imagine that in that area and that there would be absolutely no way that anyone would consent which I think is offensive for their that that it's required I find the, the requirement offensive um, there was no way that anyone would consent for their mom to be able to have sex in the nursing home if their dad was still alive even if he wasn't in that nursing home so if they stuck mom in nursing home, dad was out there doing whatever he wanted to, they would say, absolutely not. She can't because she promised to remain faithful to him until she died. And they wouldn't allow it. So there, there's a ton of that. There's reasons that aren't sensible, in my opinion, um, but that are heartfelt in other people's. And it could be the guy and not the girl, but they would say, absolutely not. That's, that's no. Mm-hmm. And you just don't get to have it because you're not having it with that person that you said that's the only other person you'll ever have it with evermore. Uh, well, I, I, I would throw out there that it's it's not... Religion plays into it, sure. I would say it's a societal thing. And I would say it needs to be... If we're, if we're speaking of people who are being institutionalized, which is really what a nursing home is, yep. um, is, is who has the power of attorney? So who, who is in charge of making the decisions for that person? Um, first... And then looking at the policies and procedures of that institution that they are agreeing to be put into. So if you're co- if you're if you're cognitively able to make decisions for you, if you are legally considered able to make decisions for yourself regarding healthcare, you probably would not sign yourself into some place that is going to have you get a permission slip from your child or other caregiver to to have sex or not. So it's I think it's a it's a bigger it's bigger than religion. Religion plays into it for sure. It's a societal view on why would old people have sex anyway. I think they should, for the record. Um, but as long as you're able to consent, 
Um, and, and I feel like that's really the key. However, if you agree to go into a, a place that has a policy limiting your personal freedoms, that's another discussion. Sure. So so part of that article was the, in, the sharp increase in STDs. Yeah. And yeah. It's crazy, that, right? I, it's crazy. Oh, but really man. what I would say to that is instead of having a policy saying no sex and no masturbation is here's the bucket of condoms by the nurse's station. Right. Or, or distributed two to three to person, whatever, whatever. But you, um, get, a, you get a monthly allotment. I'm just well, saying and, and it, it needs to be that edu- you need to be educated. At, at any age, abstinence, abstinence education does not work. It just it's doesn't work. For humans. For, Full stop. It just doesn't. I don't care what age you are, that does not work. So for as many politicians, I'm not going to get political. <laughs> I'm from New York, so you know which way I'm leaning. But for... Trump. I'm. Oh my gosh! Oh my god! No, I'm not. But um, if I mean, I think studies have shown that abstinence education is not See, the way I, to go. I'll go back work. to that. No other species on the planet makes it this complicated. Of course. Why do we do? Of course. This? If abstinence education doesn't work for teenagers in high school, why would it work for people who have it, had sex their whole so life? Did, so I would, I would home. argue for, for nursing homes, since, since incontinence is one of the biggest risks for fall and, and thereby fractures, mm-hmm. which is uh, very expensive. It um, is very expensive. That, and maybe the reason why they're there. That, that, mm. that good, healthy function of the pelvic floor, which an orgasm can support, would be really good, and maybe they should be promoting like daily eight, orgasms eight, in the work. Eight in the to nursing twelve home. cycles per second for every right? orgasm. Really good. Wait, what? Eight to twelve contractions per second when you have so an orgasm. It's exceptionally good for the muscles of the pelvic floor. Right? They relax. They contract. They relax. They contract. They relax. That's amazing. So that may help with incontinence so, issues, is right? what you're saying. Well, we're it just saying be. if you don't use it, you lose it in both. And in, so in, it, in, in everyone, yeah. sensory so, awareness. Yeah, yeah, yeah making that bit of your body not a, a thing that you're worried about but a one scary, that you actually scary enjoy cave. it's so right? not scary it's a fabulous place and and good muscular control sensory motor awareness um yeah. Yeah. so yeah. perhaps instead of people getting all up in the whatever about wondering what someone's doing with their body parts they should be encouraging good neuromuscular control mm-hmm. 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 And again, that goes back With to consent, because of course, you know, but consent. but again, it it goes back to the principles we talked about before that are applicable to any <laughs> stage of life and to any person at and any age. Would you age. just want to be in that nursing home? The little tagline: an orgasm a day. <laughs> I'd love it, and you know, I'd hand out actually door hangers. Like, so if you're in a nursing home where you're stuck with a roommate, do not like, disturb, disturb, please. You, you got right. You got like a like a tie you put disturb on the door handle. Now. Because that's sock, really um, sock on the door. Sock on the door. Because that was. Um, I can't wait to read more of this article. We only got it like moments before Literally we started moments, the podcast. Literally moments before it's we started. Just, yeah. You know what? Like it, you can't assume old people don't have those needs and desires. Ninety-six. Mm-hmm. You can assume that having a nurse knocking on your door in the middle of it's gonna be awkward mm-hmm. um, for everyone involved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just. I, I think it needs to be talked about so that it. It can be made as comfortable as possible for everyone. Forbidding it is not the so answer. So taking the taboo out of it is not the answer. It's human normal. No, taking the taking taboo the, I mean, out of it taking is, the taboo the is the answer. But Keeping a taboo normal. is not. This is normal, normal human function. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it doesn't matter your preference. And God bless right. you if your bits are working that good. That I mean, right? if you're old enough to be in a nursing home. And yeah. and, and this is going to change. So the LGBTQI, um, my apologies 
to anyone um, and everyone um, is the the it, it, we shouldn't say okay it's okay for you guys but it's not okay for you guys no mm -hmm. uh -uh. just whatever right just consensual that's really my happiness. big thing there's happiness there's not enough oh, so here's it the does thing. make you happy there's just it's right. awesome and it's, it's really it's good awesome i mean control. it makes you it makes you happy I so mean, we love, know it's, love is good hate is bad why, we know why it's good for you that? it encourages motion good good physics good good tissue mobility blood flow. Um, good blood flow good hormonal control massively awesome for the autonomic nervous like system right mm. great oh. dopamine great serotonin happy hormones are um, going yeah, then you Oxyto do the oxytocin and then See, it's, it's better than having a 30 second hug dopamine Wait, serotonin let me think on that Dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. Would you take sex over a hug? Mm. Um, but a thirty-second. I, I got to tell you, a thirty-second hug is pretty nice. But it's not that nice. <laughs> <laughs> we can do it in a podcast later about what's the normal. No. Um, the. But and then and then afterwards, a little bit of squats, some lunges, perhaps relax the pelvic floor, do some breathing. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Don't tighten things up. If Don't it starts panic. to get uncomfortable. Don't, Don't panic. panic. If it hurts when you pee, please get a good clean catch and get that tested for a UTI. And I, I'll be honest, um, I, I, I would and say STDs wait for God's hours. sakes, use a condom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, use a condom. So STDs aren't just—I mean, condoms aren't just for pregnancy; it's for STDs too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like if you if your if your bladder or your pelvic floor feels twitchy, give yourself 24 hours. Don't run yourself yeah. to the dock in the Drink bus. tons of water. Drink yeah, some water, water. Take a nap. Have another have orgasm. Yeah, yeah. Right. 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 And I think it's important also that we mentioned that condoms come in a lot of different varieties. So if you're non -latex, allergic to latex, There's it comes in non-latex, which is very important. And if you are allergic, you usually find out the hard way. <laughs> My yeah. condom story was when Susan Clinton, I have a oh. condom story, when oh, Susan, Susan Clinton, Clinton was coming. Wait, can oh, this we, is, this is can we just talk about how happy everyone is for Susan Clinton? Ah, Susan got, can we say why? Susan uh -huh. got the Elizabeth Noble Award, which is the highest award uh, awarded, that's awkward, by the Section on Women's Health totally of the American well, Physical Therapy Association. Totally well deserved. At CSM and Susan Anaheim, Rocks, so yeah. Yay. the Yay, 2016 Susan. recipient. Yay. Yeah. So well Susan deserved. was at our clinic teaching a class on rectal balloon catheters. That'll be another podcast. Um, and um, I had to go buy condoms for it. So that was what, two years ago? And that's the first time I've ever bought condoms. What? That's why I sent her. Oh, she needed to learn. Sakes. She needed to learn. It's important. Wait, so no, no, huh. no shame. No shame. No shame in the game. Not at all. <laughs> and I did have to go through. Dear God, there's a lot of options. There are, um, and you did need a big box. <laughs> and I and I went through. <laughs> I went through, and I had to find the non-latex one because yeah. why buy latex ones if you don't know who's allergic to latex? Absolutely. Why risk yeah, yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So why are They're there pricey. latex? Why are there latex condoms? Because um, they're cheaper. Because they're cheaper. Whatever. That's why everybody um, needs everybody needs a low cost option. Bad you know? shoes are horrible. Bad condoms probably are too. I, 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 if not so. if not worse than a, I mean, with a bad shoe you get a blister. With a bad condom you get an STD or a child that maybe you don't well, want. No, at the hold time. on. Can we define I'll bad? Take the, I'll take the blister. Hold, hold on. I just like to define bad versus not bad. So bad is one that doesn't work. Yeah, bad doesn't um, work. Latex may irritate you, but it'll still protect you from STDs. True. I would. So let's differentiate. And, and can we also talk, like, aren't there, like, expiration dates on them? There are. And you kind of want to follow those expiration dates? You kind of do a lot. <laughs> F 
follow the expiration dates. I should check that box in the clinic. More so on your condoms it's than probably, on your yogurt. It's probably still the two-year yeah, one. See, you can eat a yogurt like a week out of the expiration date. Um, well, in worst case, you get a little bit of food poisoning. Your condoms expired. You're in big trouble. Maybe, big maybe. Trouble. Big trouble, Roll Rolling the dice. Big trouble. Do you want to roll the dice? Don't roll the dice. I don't. Not unless unless you're playing craps in Vegas. You don't want to roll the dice. Yeah. That's um, not, yeah. Don't y- roll the dice. The now. odds are better for craps than they are for condoms, I guess. Uh, I don't know statistically, but an expired one that'd be an interesting yeah, an expired article. Yeah, Hey mm-hmm. Twitter. <laughs> Who wants to do an experiment? Who wants to? No, no, no. No, Who I mean, can find me an article on that. Find an article. <laughs> Who wants? Did, to, did we just ask for an, Who an wants experiment? to do an RCT on that? Um, <laughs> Man. So so let's kind of wrap yeah. this up That would now. be blinded. Oh, man. Well, but not in a good way. That's easily blinded. Way. It would just that's be terrible. bad. I don't think it, it would, would get bad. past the Let's not do that. I'm sure that there is a uh, an article out there. So my Twitter folks with library access, if you can do that for us. Right, right. And Twitter, uh, expiration dates of condoms, <laughs> accurate or not. Hashtag yes. help us. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of wrap this up because I think we can kind of pull this all together in one podcast. I don't think we have to switch it. Uh, or break it up. So so let's kind of wrap it up by what are your your parting thoughts? What do you want people to remember? You can do it on more than one hand if you want, yeah, Sandy. You, you don't have to do it you don't have to do it in five words. That's awesome. More than one hand. All right. Um, keeping but with, I get a turn. Keeping keeping with the sex well talk. Done. You well can done. do it with more than one hand. Well done. I can Absolutely. do it with more than one hand. Um, the uh, Sex is supposed to be absolutely enjoyable. Eye rolling, toe curling. We don't know why it does either of those. I'd like if articles on that find as articles, well. Articles, yeah, that'd be awesome. Toe curling. Um, the but it's supposed to not only not hurt. It's supposed to be amazing, pleasurable, and pleasurable. and if it's not, call us. Yeah. Um, for, I mean, if you're for, in Chicago, we for physical we therapy. For physical therapy. Um, or There's referrals. a fine line, ladies. Yes. To appropriate people. <laughs> There's a fine line between a gigolo and a therapist. Right? But this is why. That, that joke and why this is so awesome for stand-up comedy is that um, people are inherently both wanting to do it and a little bit giggly about it because mm-hmm. we're human and we're odd. Sure. Um, and then I'll go back to no other species on the planet makes it this complicated again. Um do it. Have fun. Do it often. Do it as often as you can where you enjoy it. And, and if you're having pain, go into a graded exposure program just right. like you would with any other painful body part. Right. And if you haven't done it for a while and now you do, it is reasonable for it to be sore. And you're a little sore. Then drop into a squat, breathe, relax, do it again. Call your favorite public floor therapist for a little encouragement and that may be all you need. Um, and where where could someone find a pelvic floor therapist? APTA.org or the section on women's health or the Canadian Women's Health Division or the Australian Physiotherapy Association. And the UK therapists, I'm sorry, I don't know where your stuff is. Or, or, or you could find us on Twitter at Sandy Hilton PT or at Sarah Haig PT. And we'd be happy to um, reach out to the contacts we do have and find you somebody to help you have sex that isn't awful. Wait, super uh, super but, connectors. But, but by finding a therapist that can help you, they're not going to hook you up. That's what I meant. <laughs> so any parting thoughts from you, Sarah? Um, yeah, that, that honestly, sex is supposed to be one of those joys in life. It's not supposed to be something that's scary, painful, or terrifying. And I've been asked about painful sex 
Um, what if you like it? And honestly, by the definition of liking it, it's not painful. Um, so that's another whole podcast as far as what pain is and what may or may not make it be a thing. But if it's um, if you're having trouble, please don't let anyone tell you it's normal. Please don't let anyone tell you there's nothing you can do. Um, please reach out for, for, for some help because this is really one of the simplest. It's one of the most simple joys in life. And it really should be should be enjoyed as often as possible, um, as much as you would like. Every day. Um, I will. Here's my plug. Every so, day. So Where are you I, living? I, <laughs> well, much, I guess maybe if you've got I said a partner. As much as possible. Uh, I'm not going to judge that. If you got that good a game, I think you should go with it. But I'll also throw out that um, uh, Jimmy McKay is going to be having uh, Carrie Pagliano and myself on his podcast once he returns from his um, his service trip to, I believe, Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. And we're going to be doing a little podcast on myths, mysteries, and misconceptions of sex. So if you have your questions, um, send them to me via Twitter at Sarah Haig PT or at PT Pinecast. At PT Pinecast. Um, and yeah, and let, let us know what your questions are. No holds barred. Like, you have questions, please ask them. Done. I don't blush anymore. Great. Well, I I, still I do. do. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for my skin. Exactly. Blood uh, flow is important in all matters of the heart. Seriously, <laughs> this is supposed to be pleasurable. If it's not pleasurable, find someone that can help you get there. Yeah. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for sitting down and sharing some wine. And even though we've just been and a fire. in and a fire, and we are in the middle of Disneyland, and even <laughs> though we really we just came off of combined sections meeting where there was a lot of talking and a lot of fun, um, I am very very happy and honored that you took the time out tonight to to do this podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you. And everyone, thanks for listening. Go out and have lots of sex. If it's painful, get in touch with somebody because it's not normal. Uh, have and a great help. and there's help out there. So have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. <laughs>